volunteers. All right, we're going to open up God's Word and we're going to jump right into this week's sermon. So please open up your Bibles to uh, Matthew, Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Um, the problem with rest, and we went to the book of Genesis and kind of gave a, I don't know if you call it a systematic uh, theology of the topic of rest. And, you know, the fact that we were made for rest, but then it got messed up, um, and now we're in like a state of constant restlessness. Now today, uh, I'm going to talk about the place of rest, right? I want to build upon uh, some of the things I talked about last week and talk about uh, where we might find rest and how that happens. Um, so if you're taking notes, it's the place of rest. Again, I don't have slides uh, for today. Uh, normally I do, uh, just because I'm trying to rest a little as well. Um, you know, today we come to a passage that you may know, uh, but in my opinion, at least for me, it's one of the most uh, remarkable and reassuring passages in the Bible. Uh, when I read it, I'm like, wow, that's, that's incredible what we're finding here. Right? The promises uh, that are here uh, that Jesus gives to us. Because what Jesus is in- inviting us to is that we might find rest. And who doesn't want that? Who doesn't need that? But not only is this passage remarkable and reassuring, I think it's very relevant to us. Uh, Jesus is speaking to a certain category of people, and that category of people, I think nearly all of us, if not all of us, would say, oh, I fit into that category. But that's me right now, If not right now, that used to be me maybe a month or two ago, or that's probably going to be me sometime in the future. And the group that Jesus is speaking to are those, he says, all in the heavy laden. The word labor, uh, this describes more than just a person who works, who labors. Uh, The understanding is that it's a labor that led to weariness. So you've worked yourself to a point of being weary. And so a lot of translations will actually translate this, all who are weary. So Jesus is calling those who have worked themselves to the point of exhaustion. But is that you? Are the things that are going on in your life, maybe your vocation, or maybe your relationships, maybe things going on with family, or maybe decisions you've got to make, that they've made you weary. All who labor, all who are weary, and he says, are heavy laden. Now, heavy laden uh, speaks of a burden that someone might carry. Now, the burden isn't qualified. It could be a physical burden, but of course, it could be a mental burden, an emotional burden, or something that you are carrying that is weighing you down. So on one hand, you've got weariness, and on the other hand, you've got being weighed down, just carrying something on your shoulder, on your heart, on your mind. It just seems to weigh you down and pull you down. 
And that could be the stress of what's going on in life again. It could be things that have happened in the past or things that might happen in the future, but there are certain things that weigh you down. So you have an internal weariness maybe in your heart or an external weight that you carry because of things going on around. And Jesus says, I'm speaking to you today. Is that you? That probably sometime in your life you have found yourself feeling. Now as we unpack what Jesus says, I've got three kind of points I want to make. The first is why we need rest. The second is where we might find the rest. And the third is how we get rest. So why, where, and how. And so why do we feel this way? Why do we feel so weary? Why do we feel so weighed down in life? Now last Sunday we had a ministry, I said something uh, like this. I'm paraphrasing. He said, on paper, a pastor's job doesn't seem that hard. But if you were to write down what he does or what I do, it doesn't seem that hard. But it can be. Right? He said something like that. And I completely agree. On paper, when I think about, because I've been thinking about rest, right? I've been thinking about my job and what I do. Uh, on paper, it doesn't seem that hard. But sometimes when people ask me, what do you do? I'm like, oh, you know, well, you know I write a sermon and do some admin and meet some people. And then I, you know, I try, trying to say stuff. And as, as I'm saying this, I'm like, is that all you do? <laughs> that doesn't sound so hard. That, that sounds pretty e- easy. But I'm, I am very unimpressive in, in the things that I say when I describe what I do. On paper, it seems really easy. And yet, why does it feel so hard? And I don't know, when you think about your work, if I were to ask you to put down on paper the main things that you do for work, maybe you'd feel the same. Right? I, I meet clients. I uh, count money. I teach kids. Right? I raise my children. I don't know what it is, but if you put it on paper, it's not so hard. You see, I don't think it's the activity of work, the activity of parenting. It's not the activity of studying that weighs us down. I think it's something else. Now, the answer to why we are so weary could be multifaceted, but I think it's rarely that it's the work itself. It's not the activity of work. It's what Tim Keller would call the work under the work that weighs us down. Right? He talks about this in the book, Every Good Endeavor, that if you're a dad and you're here for Father's Day, you got one for free. And so you've read it, and so you know what I'm going to say. It's the work under the work, he says. Now, the work, that, the work is what you do for your job. Right? It's the, I crunch numbers, I meet people, I reply to emails, I make phone calls. That's the work. But the work under the work is the deeper motivation and or expectations that we, that we bring to our work. Right, that's my definition. The deeper motivations or expectation that we might bring to the work. And so let me explain with myself as an example, because I've been thinking about this for my own life and you know, my need for rest. Now, on the one hand, one thing that I do is, is preach. Right? I do this. Right? I just gave that as an example. And preaching involves certain kinds of work. So the work of preaching would be, you know, I go to the Bible, um, I'm reading commentaries, reading articles, might listen to a podcast, might listen to a sermon, right? This, that's the part of the work. And then I begin to write something down, right? I begin to write, and it's got to be um, 5,000 words. It's like a 5,000 word finals essay due every Sunday, right? That's what it's like. And a part of it is um, it's got to have stories, so I've got to be a storyteller. A part of it is, you know, it's got to be funny, so I've got to be a comedian, and I'm putting this all down into a neat, neat, neat package of about 25, 45 minutes every week. 
And then I've got to memorize it pretty well because when I stand up, I need to show you that it's worth remembering. Because if it's not worth remembering for me, why should it be worth remembering for you? So I've memorized it to a certain point. And then I stand here and then I communicate. And so that's a whole other thing, right? I've got to think about tone and intonation. I've got to have the right pauses. You can't be too monotone or else people fall asleep and then it's really worrying. You don't want any arms flailing around. But all of this goes into the work of preaching. And so it's not simple, it's hard. But that's not make what makes a preacher weary. It's not the work. It's the work under the work. It's the expectations and motivations that I bring to the work of preaching. And so when I think about preaching, what really weighs me down is, are things like, this is God's word, and I better get it right. Because you're going to treat God's word properly, with honor. I don't want to just say things that I just made up. I want to make sure I say what God says. And that is pressure. Right? That's burden. Right? It's the work under the work of, I believe that the word preached is what transforms lives. And that's pressure and burden. Right? Because I feel like what I do here, partly I'm participating in the transformation of lives. But I'm participating in people being saved for eternity feel heavy, that can be pressure. It's also in my flesh and my sin, my desire, my motivation to impress people. Right? That's part of there, like if I'm honest. To, to, to want people to say, wow, that's great, great, great sermon. Because it makes me feel good. It makes me feel like I'm doing a good job as a pastor. Those are the deeper motivations and expectations that I bring to the activity of work. The work doesn't weigh me down. It doesn't make me weary, but it's all those extra things, the work under the work, that I add on. It's the additional burden and the pressure to the work that makes me tired week after week. When you think about your work, your life, right, your parenting, it's not that the work's not hard. I'm not saying what you do is, is easy, but usually it's not that that makes you so tired. It's rarely that which makes you burn out. It's all the extra things that we expect work to do. I've, uh, in a previous sermon, called these our soul cravings, right? There are at least three things that our soul longs for in this life. It craves for these things. And oftentimes, when we come to work, we want work to fulfill it for me. And those three things are my security, my significance, and my satisfaction. Each of us are longing to be fulfilled in security. We want to feel secure in my life. We want to feel significant. We want to feel valued of some, some certain way, and we're trying to find that in something, and we want to be satisfied. Like there's a longing in our hearts to, to find joy in this life, and oftentimes we want work to fulfill that for us. And so that's the burden, and that's the pressure that we place on work. And so when you think about security... You can imagine a person that goes to work and expects either in work or through their work that they will find security for life. That person may have grown up poor. They might have seen their parents um, you know, struggle to pay their rent. And they vowed to never be in that position ever again. And so they studied hard. They worked hard to get into their position. But for some circumstances, they're strapped for cash. Right? Their, their bank account's getting low. And now they go to work with this immense pressure to 
find their security in their job, in their role. They need that promotion so they can, they can get more money. They need to work hard and get there earlier than everyone, leave later so that they can maybe you know, get more money to feel secure. Right? They need these things to fill up their bank account so that they might, by their own work, find their security. Suddenly work feels burdensome and stressful. There's a lot at stake. And when things don't go well, they get really irritated because now there's all this pressure for their work to go well. Now, you don't have to be strapped for cash for work to be your security. I think a lot of people find their sense of security in their job by the amount that they get paid, by the amount that they're saving up in their bank account. It's okay, I can take care of myself. No matter what happens in my future, no matter what illnesses may come, I have the money to take care of myself. No matter what happens with inflation and all of that stuff that's going on right now that might stress us, we pour ourselves into work, we pour ourselves into getting a better paying job so that I might protect myself and find security in life. Now work is burdensome. And that burden is what often stresses us out. Or what about significance? Imagine a person who compares themselves with their friends. Their friends have a better occupation, work in a better company, they have better pay. Suddenly this person is like, oh, I, I need to catch up to them. Because for me, my work or my status or my title or my bank account or my suburb, that gives me my significance. And so the work has the added burden of being their source of significance. Maybe they used to love their job at one point, but as they compare with each other, and they look at their job, they're like, oh, I don't really like my job anymore because it's not what they have. I'm not a insert whatever great job that you might be thinking of. Now they're bitter. Now they're ashamed. Again, they might feel like they need to get a promotion so that they can boast to the people around them. And when they don't get what they want, they feel anxious and sad. Right? That's the burden. That's the work under the work. And now work is very stressful. When you think about year 12 and studying for the HSC, I, I think this is primarily what it is. Now, studying can be hard, but at least when I think about year 12, it's the pressure around studying that was stressful, you know? To be able to, like, say, what did you get? Oh, well, you know, you know what I got. You know, like, I don't know, say whatever. And, I don't know. I, I don't know. You know, like for your parents, maybe, to, to be able to boast about you. Right, to say I got into this degree, that, that's the pressure and the stress that we carry. Right, it's the significance that we expect to find from our work. What about satisfaction? Imagine a person that comes to work to try to find their joy in life. It's either in work that I'll find my joy, or it's either through my work and the money I get and the things that I can buy through it, I'll be satisfied. Right, but as we know, that's a constant, unending pursuit. Buying more, getting more, bigger, better, but... It's that desire for my work to satisfy me that becomes burdensome. That is the work under the work, and that is what stresses us out. It's not just your vacation here. It's the same for parenting. Now, parenting's a big job. If you're a stay-at-home parent, like, I'm not saying it's easy, very hard, but oftentimes it's the added pressure right, that I'm the one who has to work to secure my child's future. So I've got to parent properly. I've got to make them study. I've got to take them to a hundred things because I'm the one that will determine the security of their future. That burden is stressful. 
It's the significance we find when my child acts the right way, and so I might feel like I'm a great parent, and so I find value in that in my identity. It's those kinds of pressures, or the satisfaction in raising a child in the right way. All of this, I think, in my opinion, is why we are weary and weighed down. Not necessarily the work. It's the work under the work. It's the desire for work to fulfill my security, my significance, and my satisfaction. Do you have a work under the work? When you come to your job, when you come to your parenting, is this added burden or pressure for you to find in it something? Right? And is that the thing that weighs you down? If this is why we need rest, where do we find it? Jesus says in verse 28, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So where do we find rest? We find rest by going to Jesus, and he will give us rest. Right? That's simple. I just want to point out three amazing things about the invitation that Jesus gives us before we move on. Right, number one is that Jesus calls. The second is Jesus cares. The third is Jesus can. Jesus calls. Jesus makes an invitation to all who labor and are heavy laden. All. That's the call, right? Everyone. Every single person. Anyone, no matter where you are, no matter what situation, come to me. Right? The reason why you feel weary today is probably going to be different you. Right? We're all struggling with different things, and the work under the work is going to be slightly different. And yet, it doesn't matter, Jesus is saying. Though the sources of our stress are many, the solution is singular. It's Jesus. Jesus is the answer to your very complex and perhaps unique struggle. So don't think that whatever I'm going through is different. No, no. Jesus invites us all. The image is that everyone from everywhere is coming to a single person, and that is Jesus. Jesus calls. That's the call. And second, Jesus cares. Jesus says, come to me, and I will give you rest. That's amazing. That's like the CEO of a Fortune 500 company sending out a mass email to all of the thousands of employees at the work and saying, hey guys, if you're stressed out, you just knock on my door. I'm available for you. I want to sit down with you, have coffee with you, give you a chunk of my time, listen to you, speak to you, encourage you. But if you're burning out, please come speak to me. That, that never happened. Because the CEO is way too cheap. He will give his attention to us. And though he is perfect, he doesn't look down on us and say, oh, you're so weak. I can't believe you're struggling. There are these people who are doing better, more stuff than you, and they're not as stressed out as you. They have more faith than you. There are five ministries and leading this and that. That's not what he does. He approaches us with compassion. Jesus says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. So that's how he welcomes us. Jesus cares. So Jesus calls, Jesus cares, and then third, Jesus can. Jesus says, I will give you rest. The literal translation would be, I will rest you. I will rest you. It's not that Jesus gives us something and then we take it and we move on to our lives and that thing gives us rest, like a, a drink or like you know, a ticket to go away somewhere. Jesus says, come to me and I will be the one who gives you that rest. I will rest you. I will refresh you. In my presence, you'll be rested. 
You see, rest is not found in the absence of something, but in the presence of something, which is Jesus. We often think that rest is found in the absence of work, the something. My source of stress is my work. It's my vacation. It's my kids. And so to find rest, I need to get away from these things that I will get rest. But that's not what Jesus says here. He doesn't say, go away. He says, come to me. We need to add on, not take away. I mean, that's not bad. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But for the Christian, we do that, but we must add on to our lives. We must go to him. He is the source of his presence. So you take your holidays, you take your breaks, yes, but it's Jesus who is the one who gives us rest. We can't just run away. We must run toward. We must run toward Jesus. So this is what Jesus says. He calls all of us and he cares for us and he can do something about it. And so if you're weary and you're burdened today, Jesus makes that call. And this is what he says. This is how this rest works when we come to him. It's going to be a little bit complicated, okay? But hopefully I won't lose you. This is how it works. Jesus says, verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. That's a little weird what Jesus says. Because a yoke was a symbol of slavery. A yoke is work. It's like the last thing someone who's weary and weighed down from work would want to hear. Right? I'm so like, oh man, I've had the hardest week and this didn't happen and my boss was horrible. And she's like, come to me, I'll give you rest. He's a yoke. A yoke, by the way, was like this thing you put over an ox like that they would carry it around their neck. It's like a chain so that they would drag around something behind them, right? Like something heavy. And Jesus said, here, I'll give you rest. <laughs> he puts this yoke on us and says, there's your rest. It's such a weird, it's like the last thing you'd think Jesus would say. Right? You'd think he'd say, come to me and take my holiday house. <laughs> take my 50-foot yacht and find it. That's not what he says. He says, come to me, I'm going to put a yoke on you for your souls, right? What in the world is going on? Why does Jesus use, out of all the illustrations he could have used, one that is directly tied to work? This is why. It's because Jesus wants us to reframe our relationship with work. He wants us to change our relationship with work. The problem is not work. I said that. The problem is not work. What he's going to teach us is a way to work where we might also feel rested. That's what he's saying. There is a way where work and rest might not be in such disharmony, but like it was in the garden, like it will be in the new heavens and new earth, where we might reconcile those two things a little bit more, where work might not feel like so much work, where work might feel a little bit restful. And so Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is saying the work that we do when we come to him is easy. And the burden is light. Now, how does this work? I want to recap last week's sermon because I'm going to build on this. And so if you weren't here, you can listen to that on podcast or this is the summary that hopefully will, will be enough. Last week, I explained that we were made to rest from completion. 
God worked six days, he finished the work of creation, and then he rested. That's a rest from completion. Because there was no more work to be done, he rested, right? And the indication was that it continued. It's an eternal rest. And that's what we were made for. Now, Adam was meant to do the same. He was given work. And if he finished his work, right, if he continued to obey long enough, he would have entered into rest for eternity. But he would have taken from the tree of life, entered into rest, and he would have led us, the rest of humanity, because he's our representative, into that rest. Right? But as you know, in the book of Genesis, he doesn't finish the work, he disobeys. So rather than leading us into rest, he has led us into a constant state of restlessness, right? tired and fatigue. And I said, that's where Jesus steps into the picture. Jesus is the better Adam. He's the one who finished the work in his life, completely obedient to every single thing the Father told him to do and not to do. And then in his death, completely obedient as well. Right? God the Father finished his work of creation in six days and then rested. And Jesus, I said, on the cross, that was the sixth day of the week. And the last thing he cried out on the cross was, it is finished. He died. He was laid in the tomb. He rested. Right? He finished the work that the first Adam failed to do. And now he has entered into rest. Again, this is a rest from completion. We rest right now in exhaustion. We're so tired, I need rest. We slump on our bed, we get a little bit of rejuvenation, get back up, we work is hard again, and then we slump back into bed. It's a rest from exhaustion. But Jesus has entered into a rest from completion, and he now leads us into a rest from completion. We're going to enjoy that rest for eternity. But we get to experience it a bit today. And this is what he's talking about when he says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. It's easy and it's light because he's finished the work. When we come to him, we don't have to work like we used to because he's done it. And our souls can be satisfied. I'm going to explain this because I know I've lost you. Okay, let me try to explain. I said, we get weary and weighed down, not from the activity of work, but from the work under the work. Our souls crave to be fulfilled in security, significance, and satisfaction. We're trying to work for these things, and it's so exhausting. But when we come to Jesus, we find rest under the rest for the work under the work because we get those things freely in him. When we come to Jesus, our souls no longer crave. Our souls are now at rest because security is found in Him because He's finished the work. Satisfaction is found in Him because He's finished the work. Our significance is found in Him because He's won all these things for us. He's completed the task. And so when we come to Jesus, our soul received it all freely in Him. But that's why His yoke is easy, and that's why His burden is light. Because our souls are now satisfied. We no longer work for these things. We work from these things. And we no longer work for security, but when we come to Christ, we have security, and now we work from a place of security. Right? Does that make sense? We're no longer working for rest. We're working from rest. 
from a rest that our souls have. Explain in um, specifics. Let's talk about security. We work so hard in this life to make our lives secure, to feel a sense of security from my job or the amount of money that I have or the way that I plan things out. And it's exhausting to be the one to make my life secure to be the one that has to make all these right decisions so I can feel certain that my future will be okay. But when we come to Christ, we freely receive security in this life and the next. We have it. When we come to Jesus, we know that in the next life, no worries. I'm going to spend eternity with him in paradise, with the Father, in paradise, with the Father, with the perfect saints that's certain. You don't need to earn that. You don't need to work for that. You don't need to make that happen. It's yours in Christ freely. Your eternity is secure. When you come to Christ and you become a child of God, your present is also secure. God is now your father. Your life isn't in your hands for you to figure it out. It's in God's hands. But now we know that all things work together for good for those who love God. We know that. So no matter what happens, you can be at rest. No matter what happens with your kids, you can have a sense of security. No matter your job situation, you know that God's got it under control. You don't need to work to make your life secure. You have it in Christ. If you will come to Him, believe in Him, and rest in Him, your souls can find rest. And so when you go back to work, it no longer has the burden and pressure to be your source of security. You have it in Christ. You can work from freedom. You can work from rest. For example, my preaching, again, just, just to give an example, what it looks like for me is that though I participate in God's work to transform lives, it's the reminder to myself, remember, Paul, at the end of the day, God's going to build this church. At the end of the day, it's not up to you. But things that you know, right, and I know this, it's like, Paul, why are you so stressed out about the sermon? It'll be okay. The Holy Spirit will work. God will bear the fruit. But to really believe that and be at rest. Not to work and toil away as if I'm the one that's going to secure this church. God's got it. That small thing, that makes all the difference. At least for me. But what does it mean for you? What does it mean for your bank account? What does it mean for your future? What about significance? Right? We work so hard to produce for ourselves a sense of significance. Because I work a certain job because I have a certain title, right? because I can buy certain things, I drive a certain thing, I live in a certain thing. My children act a certain way, and that's exhausting. When we try to find our own significance by our own hands, when we try to gain our own value by the work of our hands, or when we come to Jesus Christ, we freely receive significance, not by the work of our hands, but by the work of his that was nailed to the cross. If you are in Christ, you know you are of value. You are a cherished child of God. You, that he gave his only son. And you are part of that plan. The world determines our significance based on what we've achieved with our hard work. But the only voice that matters, the only opinion that really matters in the end, which is God's, he gives us our significance, not by what you have achieved, but by what Christ has already achieved, the finished work. When we come to Christ, we find rest. We know 
who we are. We don't have to impress anyone. We don't have to impress the person next to us. We don't even have to impress God, identity. And we're freed from having to chase it in this world. Again, my preaching, it's just a reminder to myself, you're loved by God. I, I don't need to impress people. The words of man shouldn't matter so much to me. What does God say about me? And to sit in that and to rest in that. And just be able to preach a bad sermon and be like, it's okay. <laughs> Not that I'm trying to preach a bad sermon. It's okay, right? Because God's opinion of me will never change because I put my faith in Christ. Satisfaction, right? We try to work so hard to find satisfaction by doing something, buying something, experiencing something, having something, eating something. That's my satisfaction and joy in life. But when we come to Christ, we have everything that we need. He's the satisfier of our souls. We just sang. He's the, the water that satisfies the thirst in our lives. That we will never thirst again. But do we rest in that? If we do, then we won't try to find it in and through work. C.S. Lewis said in the book, New Christianity, if I find in, my, find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. And we were. We weren't made to be satisfied in this world, to find everlasting joy in the things that we can grasp with our own hands. It was meant to be found in Christ. We were made for eternity to be with God. And we can taste it right now when we come to Christ. And then we will have it for eternity when we see Him face to face. That is the rest under the rest for the work under the work. When we come to Jesus, he reframes our relationship with work. We no longer need to work for these things. Work for security. Work for significance. Work for satisfaction. We have them already in Christ. We work from a place of security. Work from a place of significance. Work from a place where we are satisfied. We don't work for rest. Rest isn't that thing on the other side where we're going to try to do hard work so that I can get there. I just have that thing. Get that title. I'm going to be rested then. That's not how it works. We don't work. We sit down with him. Our souls find rest and so we work from a place of rest. And that work now is completely different. Our attitude is different. The burden is lifted. The pressure is off. Now, am I saying work is easy now? It's not. Not on this side of heaven. It's going to be hard. Sometimes you're going to be physically tired. You're going to fall into bed. You're going to wish you had more sleep. Your children are going to wake up at 3 a.m. You're going to be tired. Right? For me this week, the, the water pipe burst in the middle of the night. Ran downstairs. Hot water's everywhere. I'm like, ah, like I don't know. This, this isn't even my house. Where, how do I turn this off? My in-laws are away in Korea. <laughs> it's hectic. You're going to be tired. Yes, on this side of heaven. Doesn't mean that people are going to be easy at work. You won't be mentally strained. No, it's going to be hard. But your souls will be at rest. When your soul's at rest, your mind is so much freer. Emotionally, you are so much more joyful. It will change everything. In your work, in your studies, in your parenting. When you come to Christ and find what you can have. Because he has finished the work 
for us. Let me close. Now, I shared last week I had a week off the week before. I had a week off, and I didn't necessarily feel that rested. Um, and I thought about that. In some ways, I did. Like, I was kind of maybe physically rested. Um, it made me realize if the reason I was tired was because of my work, then taking a break from work should make me rested. Right? If that's a problem, I should be rested. But I didn't feel rested because that wasn't the problem. The desires underneath, the work under the work was always there. My desire to find security in what I'm doing, and I, I got to, and I got to take care of church, and without me, and all this stuff, that was always the work under the work is the problem. And so the solution for me wasn't to run away from work. It was to run toward Jesus. You see, there's a difference between just taking a break from work and going on a holiday, which is good. That's running away from work. But you need to take another step. You need to run toward Jesus. I'll be honest, I sped up a little bit, ran toward Jesus, but I needed to do that more. I needed to rest in Him. That was my solution, to find my soul satisfied and fulfilled in Him. Interestingly, this week, as I worked and learned and read and studied about rest, I felt way more rested than I did on my week off. I think I really understood why I was tired. I understood where I had to go, and I surrendered these things in my heart up to Him. I think I found rest, even as I worked. And then I worked out of a place of rest. And I want to encourage you to do the same. All that I've said is probably not that new to you. You probably know this stuff. You read the book, and he said it way better than I did you know, in like three sentences. The challenge is to really come to Christ, to really sit at his feet, to really find our rest in him, to really wrestle in prayer and figure out what is it that I'm trying to him, your soul satisfied. That which you can have because he's already worked and he's completed. But that's the work that we need to do. You know, interestingly, in John 6, 29, Jesus says this, this is the work of God. It's for you guys. This is the work of God that you believe in him whom, he's, whom he has sent. That's the work for us. It's that we will just come to Jesus and believe. And if we will believe, we will find rest. Right? Because he's done the work. Help you. Rest is found not in the absence of your work, but in the presence of Christ. And so come to him. Today, right now, we're going to pray. I want you to really wrestle with this. Try to find rest and surrender whatever you're trying to find in your life and work for your life. Surrender it to Him. And this week, really find rest. Find rest for your souls. Let's close our eyes and let's pray. I don't know what weighs you down today and what makes you weary. You know, a part of it may be unavoidable on this side of heaven. We live in a broken world where people are difficult and things don't necessarily go the way that we want them to go. But at least for our souls, at least for what we're longing for deep down, we are meant to find it in Jesus Christ. Whether it's Again, it's your identity, whether it's your desire to be great, 
feel purposeful, feel valued, a desire to be in control or feel like you have to be in control to make it happen. All of these things were things you were not meant to carry. All of these things were the things you weren't meant to work for. Christ has won it for you. He will take care of your life. He will give you your value. He calls you by name and gives you your identity. You know your future is secure if you are in Christ. He will take care of you. Doesn't he take care of the birds of the field? Don't be anxious about these things. Come and rest in his presence. Your soul was made to be satisfied in him. By faith, approach him. Surrender your life and sit at his feet. Let's spend a bit of time of prayer resting in Jesus. Let's pray.